0: Hi everyone and welcome to our 21st show. Today we have the most specialist of guests, our friend Sharif. We will discuss all of our zany shenanigans, but first, beer.
1: Today's first beer is Super Sparkle from Kent Falls Brewing, which is located in Kent, Connecticut. It is an Imperial Pale Ale coming in at 6% ABV. Uh, it is. Here, let's read this directly <laughs> off their website. We designed this sweet.
0: Don't hold back the laughter, Sharif. Laugh. It's funny. <laughs> we designed this
1: sweet little hoppy beer flush with Simpa... Simcoe and Mosaic for a blend of refreshing fruit. You can read. Citrus pine to, uh, to keep hydrated in the field. <laughs> to keep you hydrated in the field. Without overworking the palate. So this is a beer specifically for farmers, apparently. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. There's a tractor on the, on Jesus. the, on the uh, can art. All right.
0: There's more There's if anybody farm, it.
1: There's a farm, the whole nine. Uh, Kent Falls Brewing, like I said, is located in Kent, Connecticut, on 33 Camps Road. Not Camp Road, Camps.
2: Plural.
1: Plural. Uh, and if you want to check them out, go to kentfallsbrewing.com. Let's, Let's try, try this beer, guys. Cheers, Cheers. Guys.
2: Cheers.
0: So as we're all sniffing and uh, sipping... i Officially, welcome to the show, Cherie, finally. I feel like everybody that listens to the show has heard your name at least every other episode. You and the beer nagging boys. You're like uh, our regular guest without even being here. <laughs> well, I'm glad to finally be here with you guys. <laughs> all right. Beer notes, what do we think?
1: I'm going to let Sharif kind of describe what he's tasting, uh, Master Palo I like over the here. art
0: on the can. I mean,
2: first things first, they're calling this an Imperial IPA, but it's 6% yeah,
0: ABV. Yeah, that makes no sense.
2: And um, also, I think they finally run out of beer names, because what's this one called? Super, Super Sparkle. <laughs> but I tell you, I mean, uh, my favorite style is IPA. <laughs>
0: He's lying.
1: <laughs> Dana picked out a, as a joke. All
0: IPAs. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is... Not a, his favorite.
2: <laughs> so, I mean, oh, I'll make it work. Uh, I mean, it, it's got the all the aroma notes that I yeah. generally like. It's, it. it uh, you know, talking about the spectrum of hop aromas. Yeah. You know, we're definitely in that kind of more fruity side as mm-hmm. opposed to the more, like, dank and resiny side. Yeah.
0: So since you're not, I know you're not an IPA guy, if you had to, do you like it more piney, or do you like it more juicy, like if you had to have one?
2: I like it more juicy, definitely. Okay. I mean, I find them a little more accessible, a little easier, easier on the to pallet, drink. palate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of it being an IPA, you know, we've definitely seen this trend that even though it's called an IPA, there there's a lot less bitterness in yeah. this style of beer, so, you know, they're... I don't want to call it, you know, it's a, I guess you'd say it's a New England. Yeah, it looks you know, like but it. But it's definitely kind of like that, that whole milkshake sort of style yeah. of beer. Yeah, And, you know, I think when they're pulled off well, they've got good balance, yeah. and they're 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 pretty easily drinkable. I mean, as opposed to something that's, you know, got 100 IBUs in it and feels like, you know,
0: you'd lick the cat a or something. <laughs> Ooh, lick the cat. That's oh, a new... <laughs> Suck the pine needle. Yeah, be, <laughs> right, let's go with that. So... I won't ask you how you know what it's like to lick a cat, but moving on. <laughs> moving on. All right, so um, I'm gonna let Jim take the lead of this interview because go. I want to drink and have fun. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, great. Uh,
1: so, are so we've been friends with Sharif for how many years now? I'm gonna put you on the spot. Many, many. So I'd Some? say no. I'd say seven, seven or eight years, something Holy like that. Cow. When. when uh, so Sharif used to be
0: We're all like uh, uh Sharif is <laughs> no, the I former didn't. brewer. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: the former brewer at Yonkers Brewing Company, here where Dana and I live.
0: And that's where uh, we met.
1: And that's where the two of these these two characters met, uh, when Dana was running their sales operations and uh Sharif was in the back brewing up some spectacular suds. I still
0: remember the first time <clears throat> that I hung out with Sharif. It was I don't remember the name of the beer festival we did, it was in Long Island. It was I think. in Long Island, yeah. So we didn't really get to talk that much or hang out together because he was always brewing and I was on the road. So I was told by one of the owners, um, so the event you're doing this weekend, you're going with Sharif. And I thought, oh, great. I get to, like, hang out with Sharif. By the time we came back, I was like, any fucking event you want me to work with Sharif, I'm in for it. I love this dude. Like, nice. immediately, we had so much fun together that day. It was a good time. We laughed all the it was time. Hilarious. A lot of A <laughs> lot of beers. Yeah. I can't tell you any details about the event. So we're laughing.
2: It was was it, it was it Great South Bay Brewing.
0: Was it? Okay, sure. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I just remember the car that we were in uh, almost smoked us out, remember?
2: Yeah, oh, we like we like we had to like like pour put the beer heat. in the radiator cap or something. Oh the of- street was
0: like, put the heat on. It was like July, 80 degrees. He was like, put the heat on. It's going to make the, stop smoking. I was oh, like, oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> 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 it worked. Oh. I was very sweaty, though.
2: The uh, highlight of my career as a mechanic.
0: <laughs> it works. Right, so it's
2: very ahead. hard
1: to keep track of where this guy is at any given point in time, and constantly, when I'm at Beer Noggin, people are coming up to me asking me, "Where in the world is Sharif?" Because <laughs> it's like, "Where in the world is Carmen San Diego?" Um, so, right now, in regards to brewing projects, or you know, your current title, like what, what's going on in the professional world of Sharif the Brewer?
2: Yeah. That's a good question. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm working on a couple of different projects. I'm enjoying being able to bounce around and do all this fun stuff. So uh, I'm working as a brewery administrator for a company called the 49 State Brewing Company up in Anchorage in Denali, Alaska. There are two brew pubs, and we're opening a third facility, a a big production facility. And I've kind of been involved in spearheading that project. Uh, as well as doing some other things for this brewery. So it's a lot of sensory, technical stuff. I'm helping them refine some of their processes. You know, that's been keeping me busy. Tweaking
1: tweaking their recipes? Tweaking recipes,
2: working with the brewers. You know, everything. I guess one thing I've noticed with a lot of this craft brewing, every time uh, a brewery releases a beer, it's a new beer. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gets you to the point where, you know, consistency. I mean, some breweries do it really, really well. Some breweries have a bit of trouble with it, but you kind of get let off the hook when every time you make a beer, it's a different beer. Right, right. And so this is a, a real project that we're, we're we're trying to dial everything in for, for a new production facility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess we really want to, you know, there's going to be a lot of creativity. There's going to be a, not, a lot of new beers made, but at the same time, I think that getting these underlying fundamentals right yeah. will improve the overall quality of everything. So it's been a bit of a challenge, and it's a remote place, but it's extremely fun.
0: Do they have uh, a flagship beer right now, or...? Yeah,
2: there, there there, are four core beers. Okay. Yeah, there's a Solstice IPA, which is a West Coast-style IPA. Mm-hmm. There's um, Baked Blonde, uh, which is an American blonde, blonde beer. Yeah, because uh, oh. one of the restaurants that's owned by the company is called the Salmon Bake.
0: Okay, And. Gotcha
2: it just gotcha. it's the beer that we first made for the Salmon Bake restaurant uh, there's 907 Frontier Style Lager mm-hmm. uh, which is an amber lager um, delicious delicious recipe and um, I'm forgetting one McCarthy Stout
0: ooh, ooh tell us about
2: that which is a kind of uh, a cross between a dry Irish stout and American stout okay, okay. Um, really trying to make it low ABV and really light in body. Mm-hmm. You know, for it, it's it's way more close to drinking a Guinness than yeah. drinking, you know, like a stout for American stout from other half that's close to 6 65 right, percent right. alcohol and just got a
0: lot of body. We yeah. wanted to make a beer that's a bit more accessible. Jim would love that cuz he hates craft stouts. Like I love them, but I like the <clears throat> The chocolate, the vanilla, the coffee, I like the layers of it, and he would prefer a Guinness. So this stout sounds perfect for him. Yeah,
2: I mean what I find a lot with um American stouts is that they're just inaccessible. They're hard mm-hmm. they're hard to drink mm-hmm. and you know, Guinness is you know, the one of the most accessible beers out there. Most people are like, Oh, it's a dark beer, it's so heavy and I'm like, it's Actually bad. it's yeah, you know, barely above four percent yeah. alcohol. It's got less calories than a Budweiser. And um, you know, I'll I'll even drink them at a Yankees game in the summer because I'm crazy like that. <laughs> you are crazy like that. And then, you know, I think that the rest, you know, when we talk about stouts, American stouts, there's just this whole giant, giant category. And you've got these stouts at like 5 6% alcohol and then all the way up to Imperial stouts with all these barrel finishes. And, yeah. you know, I, I had uh, a Kentucky bourbon stout yesterday from Founders, the CBS, not the KBS. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was like, Finished with coffee and aged in maple syrup barrels, and I'm just like, that sounds sweet as hell. It was so it was like <clears throat> it was nice to have like a taste of it, right? But it's not something I'd want to drink.
0: Yeah, so, like a
2: tummy ache. Yeah, it definitely <laughs>
0: was.
1: So you recently got back for the holidays? You were just down in Uruguay. Yeah, that's right. Where you have um, you have a home down there. Um, cause your mother is originally from.
2: Yeah, from Montevideo.
1: From Montevideo, and your father is from.
0: Alexandria, Egypt.
1: So you That's are... That's so fascinating. Egyptian Uruguayan.
0: Yeah. American. Yes. <laughs> British. British, right. I forget.
1: <laughs> are there any others of your kind out there? Have you run I've into heard, any of I've heard of, of your, of your
0: kind. I've, <laughs> I've
2: heard rumors that there are. Uh, <laughs> okay. Actually, there, there, was, there was independent corroboration from another person that there's an Egyptian Uruguayan in Uruguay, and I think he's a pilot. Wow. But um, That's pretty cool. You know, I've heard this from two different people. So, I'm
0: not alone. but So, we just but, said British. Uh, Sharif was born in London, if you're trying to figure out why we said British. Yeah, oh yeah. So, he yeah. has... <laughs> do
1: you do you have three you, citizenships,
2: or...?
0: We're not supposed to talk about that. Oh. i okay. <laughs> I was like, oops. Uh,
2: you know, I, I think that, you know, obviously I had an English passport when I was born. Right. Yes. And I can get an Egyptian and a Uruguayan passport, you know, just through heritage, but, you know for the time being, the American passport still seems to be the best one they have. i had. get
0: one from everywhere just, just, just in, case. in case. Just in case. Yeah. Just in Go case. Going to 2019. Yeah. Just in <laughs> case. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying
2: that. I'm going right yeah, there on the table. Uh, yeah.
1: So, uh, on this most recent trip, um, You know, we we follow you through your Instagram. We see all these pictures. Wandering Brewer,
0: which is a great name for yes. Sharif. Yes, the Wandering
1: Brewer is his follow ID him handle. Uh,
0: beautiful pictures. Hashtag um, beautiful pictures.
1: <laughs> and one of your, you know, when you're not brewing and and collaborating, uh, you love photography. Yeah, and uh, you're a student of photography, and you know it shows in your work. Your pictures are phenomenal, by the way. Um Thanks. And you know what's What's next on that front? It's like, because so many people have come up to you and been like, are you selling these images to, you know, National Geo or or to, you know, for stock photography usage and, you know?
2: You know, I think it's one of these things where just kind of the way my personality works, I enjoy it as a hobby. And for the mm-hmm. time being, it's just going to be that because... There's no I,
0: stress as long as it's a hobby, right? Exactly, yeah. right?
2: And, there, and And I've been so lucky that I've gotten to travel a lot of places for... Work related things. Right. I had to go to a wedding. I went to the Canadian Rockies this year. Wow. You know, part of the part of the project that I was doing up in Alaska, I went and I ended up going to Japan. And so, Very cool. I think that what I really enjoy about the photography is it gives me an excuse to get outside mm-hmm. and do something I wouldn't normally do. Nice. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, when I was down in Uruguay, uh, it turned out to be this perfectly clear. You know, night with, with no moon out.
0: hmm
2: And I said, you know what? This is a great opportunity to go, like, shoot the Milky Way.
0: Yeah. And
2: uh, it was 11 o'clock at night, and instead of sitting around, cracking a beer, watching some TV, I said, all right, I'm going to go for a drive and do it, and kind of went into this giant field with this abandoned building. That didn't sound creepy picture. at all. <laughs> uh, I'm going I'm to tell you why it was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> right, so well, you have like snakes, and there's a lot of other was, stuff was, that could the, be the snakes. That I, yeah, there, there are snakes there. They're, they're <laughs> only semi-poisonous. semi poisonous. Oh, semi, yeah, great. you know. Um, but it's in the middle of like pasture land, oh. and I remember like cr- you know climbing through this little like fence and getting set up, and then seeing these glowing eyes. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: and and cow patties and cow patties. Well, yeah. <laughs> So the cows
2: are fine. It's the lambs that freak me out.
0: Why? Because they
2: make this horrible, horrible sound. Like they cry. We're going to need you to demonstrate. No. Nah, ah! I mean, <laughs> Come on. I, can't, I, I I can't. like it's like let's see if I <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That sounds like pain.
2: Well, it it's it sounds like pain. It really, it's it was frightening.
0: And that's just them saying, like, "What are you doing yeah. here, buddy?" And, 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 and like
2: every like twenty minutes, I, I I feel like all of them would all scream in unison. Oh, that's a
0: lot. Okay. And you
2: know, and I'm definitely trespassing. Right. And and, and 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 it's like three in the morning, and I'm like, this is kind of creepy.
1: <laughs> so I can imagine, Jesus. Okay. So so, so <laughs> you know,
2: like so I'll go with like you know, I, I it, it'll encourage me to get out and go places, um, you know, up in Alaska. The brewery's at the entrance of, of Denali National Park. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'm so, I feel like I'm so lucky and so spoiled that people wait their whole lives to, to go and visit this thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's a mountain range, and it kind of creates its own weather, so... Ooh, that's cool. So you... it, it's cool, but, like, only 30% of the people get to see the mountain when they go visit the park. Gotcha. And somebody was telling me there was this one time where it was shrouded in clouds like 57 days in a row Oh wow! and i'll get a that's phone call impressive. and say oh the mountain's out today you want to you want to go in and take a ride in the park yeah and i'll go there i'll do some backcountry camping and do some photography there and you know if i wasn't using bringing the camera with me i don't think i would have the same motivation to go do that stuff especially if i was going to go do it by myself so yeah. <clears throat> that's a long way of answering your question and saying hey you know this is something that's a hobby and it's fun for me yeah. now and I'm still developing my style and this and that. And, you know, I never know. You never know. It might, but for this, for the, I think it's more for me now. And I like sharing yeah. it with my friends. Yeah. yeah. So. Awesome.
0: The pictures are beautiful. Um. So on the lines of, well, first let's talk about the second beer. Yeah. So, so
1: which one's this oh, one? So, yeah. while we were talking, uh, Dana poured uh, the next beer, which is from Lamplighter Brewing Company in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, It is... A New England style IPA brewed with Mosaic, Citra, and Columbus.
2: Oh, Columbus, that's a classic hop. Yeah? Yeah. You wanna uh,
1: talk a little bit about that? Because I've never heard of it.
2: Yeah, Columbus is um, definitely so. What, what, you said there was Mosaic and what else in there?
1: Uh, Mosaic, Citra, and Columbus.
2: All right, so Mosaic and Citra are two really, really super aromatic hops. You know, Citra is like the classic. West Coast IPA hop. It makes it into everything. You know, just strictly as looking at the hop market when you try to buy hops, you can pretty much get anything you want these days, Mm -hmm. except citrus. Citrus is still super hard to get your Mm -hmm. hands on. And, like, it's named Citra. It gives you a lot of citrus aroma in the beers. And I think it's the thing that helped push this wave. Yeah, And a Mosaics hop that's probably about three or four years old now. Maybe five. And it's a bit more, like... Tropical fruity, a little bit berry uh and they those hops play really well together mm-hmm. and Columbus is a real like classic west coast hop in but more more for bittering mm-hmm. than than for the aroma if you're gonna use it as an aroma hop, it's gonna give you a little bit more of that piney resiny yeah. you know I think of like chinook and those hops kind mm-hmm. of all like play together but with that being said, I think the way that hops interact together is, is is always exciting and fun. And depending on when they go in the process, they can give you a lot of different aromas. And yeah. and, and you know, I think of I think of it a lot like, you know, blending wine. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can have a Merlot or a Cabernet Sauvignon, but sometimes when you put these blends together, they're more than the sum of their parts. Right. And so uh, this will be interesting to try.
1: So their tasting notes for this beer on their website, spruce. Mm -hmm. lemongrass and Meyer lemon
0: ooh cheers cheers Cheers. this is darker in color
2: yeah you can definitely smell that that Columbus influence in there it's that it's so different and distinct than the other beer
0: the mouthfeel is different it's slightly oily a little bit right
2: yeah definitely
0: why would that what would make that happen
2: there's a I mean there's a lot of reasons that that could happen I mean it could be yeah it's it it's it's extremely bitter especially compared yeah. to the other one yeah and that's i i that's a definitely like a lot of hop characteristics. Yeah. it's almost because hops are give you their their bitterness like through the hop oils right and so this beer is like really resiny to me yeah it is <clears throat> it's a lot you more like hops it? than the first one
0: i do like it i like hoppy, though that's that's my jam i don't like it to blow my uh palate out and this isn't I like
1: it a lot. So, uh, Lamplight. Oh, sorry. lamp lighter.
0: I'm Irwin not familiar Company. with
1: them. I've not heard of them until today. So, thank you for picking out this beer. Um, yeah. They are located at 284 Broadway in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, only thing I really know about Cambridge is that Harvard is located there. Yeah. You mean Harvard. <laughs> Harvard. Harvard. <laughs> um, so this is something we could possibly check out when we go up and see Tom, Jen, and the girls. Yeah. Uh, so and the can art's pretty cool. Do they yeah.
0: have a tasting room? Birds was of it a feather. Not listening
1: is what this is called. It's six point eight percent IPA.
0: Did you say there was a tasting room? Was it uh, on the site? I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> they do have a tap room. Oh, yes.
1: They do have a tap room. Um, nice. They're open today from eleven to ten. So if you have we have listeners, make <laughs> we, can t- we can totally make it. Um, cool, yeah, yeah, there's, do, yeah,
2: there's no traffic two days before Christmas. On the Not night.
1: at all. Tuesday through Saturday, eleven a.m. to twelve midnight. Um, it's rocking in Boston. Yep. Yeah, so we'll have to check this place out. That's a cool logo on their their glasses on the website. Yeah, their
0: artwork's pretty nice, <clears> and um... they gotta be brand new, right? I feel like yeah. one of the three of us would have seen this before.
1: I wonder if their brewer's a graduate of of
0: So while we're talking about uh, hobbies, you have another hobby that you uh, show through your photography. I do? Cooking. Oh, that's right. Yeah. More specifically, when you're in Uruguay, how much meat do people down there eat? Carne asada. Everything. And it looks delicious. (laughs) It's all steak. And I'm like, please, Sharif, eat a vegetable.
2: (laughs) I mean, yeah, we've had this conversation before. Potatoes aren't
0: vegetables. Nope, and neither is
2: wine. <laughs> yes.
0: like I had wine. Those are grapes. Like that's not a vegetable. Yeah. What Dana's like
1: you need to eat a salad, but yeah, I have wine. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so what's like so, the so, typical fare down there?
2: So Uruguay is a, a country with three million people and somewhere between thirteen and fifteen million cows.
1: At any <laughs> given point. Yeah, so.
2: I mean depending on how hungry we are. <laughs> and um, you know it's it. it <laughs> you know, basically you know the spanish the french the italians all sort of came over and started colonizing wow. and um it just happens to be part of like some of the most fertile
0: yeah uh,
2: pasture land on earth between the pampas of argentina and, and uruguay mm-hmm. and so it just it became an industry and uh, after world war ii specifically they were basically basically supplying food to all of europe
0: Really? Yeah, I mean... Oh, to I didn't know beef. That. And, Wow.
2: And before that, you know, they started making... Like, that's where corned beef comes from. Like, beef in a can, things, things like that. Are you serious? Yeah. So, um, wow. there's still a huge, you know, farming tradition there. Yeah. And I think per capita, they eat the most meat
0: on earth. I would agree uh, believe, yeah, believe that. that. You know, <laughs> and, and, and so,
2: basically, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of these things that, you know, in New York... We go out to eat a lot, you know? If right. you're going to get together with friends, you're right. not going to go to somebody's house to, to go eat, generally. Right. Down there, it's the opposite. We kind of gather around tables yeah. and start a fire, and, you know... It, Everyone brings a portion yeah, of the ingredients. You know, well, right. it depends on... <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. You know, I, I, I've said, I said, I'll have a barbecue, and I won't know if four people are coming or 20 people are coming.
1: But you're cooking a lot of meat, so, regardless. So, you know, like, yeah. so the
2: fire's going... And I'm going to, you know, throw on the first hunks of meat, and hunks then, like, of meat. you know, and like, and then...
1: Talk about the setup, though, of the open fire yeah. pit, and yeah, how yeah. you cook on direct, indirect, and how you yeah. kind of so, yeah. orchestrate this whole thing, because it's different well, it from depends. your traditional American
2: barbecue. It's not a barbecue, it de- right? Mate? Well, it, it, again, it depends on a few different things. So let, let, let's see where to start. Okay, so <laughs> I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> uh, so so I I have two different things in the house. I have um, a mud oven called an orno de barro, uh, and then there's the traditional the Uruguayan parija. And basically, what'll happen is you just you get some pine cones and some soft wood, and then some hardwood, and just start a big fire with that, and just keep on feeding it. And in the mud oven. No, in the uh, parija. In the, in okay. the, the parija. Okay. So basically, it's a. Um, it's a, like a flat grill on a little bit of a winch so you can raise and lower it depending on how hot and what all you're cooking. Right. And there's a, um, you know, uh, I guess what you call it, like a, like a little cradle for all the firewood. Okay. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's kind of slatted on the bottom and open. So as the wood burns, it creates these, these giant coals and then you use a little shovel and push them under the grill and you moderate the temperature by the amount of coals and the height. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have an electronic thermometer down there so that like, you can keep track of, like, if you go inside the house? or No, no. I mean,
2: like, okay. I, I kind of, like, I hold the hand over the grill, and if oh, I can't can hold it, you know, like, three seconds, it's going to give you a good sear. Yeah. Like, five, six seconds, that's going to, you know, if we're cooking a tri-tip or something, okay. we know we won't be burning the outside when you know, like, have the inside raw. Or is tri- is tri-tip tip
1: very popular there like it is in, like, Southern California?
2: So, yeah, I mean, the cuts are different. There are, mm-hmm. there are a lot of different cuts and for the most part we don't eat steaks. Yeah. Like we're not gonna eat like a ribeye or a filet mignon medallion. We're gonna cook cuts of beef more than that.
1: And just for people listening that aren't familiar with tri tip, it's the hind quarter of it's, the Yeah, cow, it's the it? it?
2: it's like it's like the it's it's like the the tip of the sirloin. Yes. It's right. uh, above the rump. <clears throat> mhm. Um please don't look this up on the internet cause <laughs> um, no but it's it
1: it's towards the hind quarter of the tor-
2: yeah there. um and they end up being really economical cuts really delicious and if you cook them right and it, they work perfect for if you have anywhere between six and sixty people coming over six and sixty yeah I mean like it, i'm not I'm exaggerating, but I'm not <laughs> uh, so so basically it'd be like, all right, you know it's it's eight o'clock what do you somebody' will be coming you know from from town and say, i am going to pass by the supermarket
0: yeah, but like, do you need you guys, you guys need more beer, you need yeah. more meat more wine whatever that's all it is, folks, beer and meat <laughs> I've seen the pictures, and wine and bread and cheese. <laughs> And
1: when you all get together, I mean, it's such a big part of your culture is surrounding around good food, and even better wine, right? Because the wine they make down there is is phenomenal, very cost effective, you know. Oh yeah. Um. So you want to kind of, like, what would you have? You were making tri tip. What type of wine would you be drinking? Like, what's your favorite wine from Uruguay that you would have with that meal?
2: I mean, type of grape. There's so many. There's so many new little. Vineyards popping up in wineries, mm-hmm. but the the grape down there that you're going to see the most is Tenat. Okay. and Tanat So so I I've got some friends who I've met down there who are winemakers in Uruguay and some winemakers in California, and we started talking about like the lineage and the genetics of mm-hmm. grapes, and you know nobody like even even in places like California, nobody really knows what grape is what grape if right. were, like heritage plantings and all this other stuff. So Tanat is a descendant of an Italian grape. It's very akin to like Cabernet Franc. Okay. And we just think somebody named Tanat is the guy who
0: planted it. that's why it's called that. Oh, that's great. So
2: you don't see a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon, but you see Cabernet Franc, you Mm -hmm. see Merlot, uh, Tanat. And then, you know, being on the border with with Argentina, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of Malbec that we have access Mm -hmm. to. And so they're all big bold you know fruit forward yeah. jammy wines that with a bit with a bit of structure and tannin that hold up really really and well meat. with with meat mm-hmm. and, and you know fatty greasy cuts of meat yeah. and, and all this
0: you know one of them
1: I feel like you would be in heaven down there at like a vineyard doing Oh yeah tasting. yeah
0: Oh. Uh, so what kind of <clears throat> spices are like? What would you season the meat with? Is Black it, pepper.
2: That's it? Like, uh, the, it, it. So it's it's really different than. It's pretty far south in 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 South America. Mm-hmm. Like it's um, right near Buenos Aires, and the, the the heritage is much more Italian and and Spanish. Okay. Versus you know parts of Brazil and Chile that. You know Chile and Peru. You've got all this Pacific Rim Asian influence. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Brazil is like, in reality, like a dozen different countries just rolled yeah, into one. Yeah, such a melting play. pot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so there isn't really much, you know, in terms of exotic spicing. And okay. So the meat's just salt. You know, because the meat it's it speaks
0: for itself. So yeah. They're, so they're that's really... how you know it's good quality <laughs> meat when you don't really need to put that much on it.
1: Now that we're on this food track, I I'm getting hungry yeah. too, by the way, but um, we're on this food track, there's a sandwich that you always get when you're down there, oh. and Sharif and I are big sandwich guys, big bocadillo guys, right? So he he always goes to the spot that is downtown, I guess, right, in the city closest to where you...
2: So yeah, uh, so we're talking about the, the Chivito. Yes. Which is the most... Uh, so there's a there's a Uruguayan restaurant in, uh, down on Essex Street called Chirua, and they make an authentic, authentic Chivito.
1: Oh, so we have to go there and have
2: one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Wednesdays. Uh, Wednesdays at Chirua, two for one special. Ooh. Do it. All right. What's in the sandwich? What's not in the sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it, so the sandwich was, and uh, again, I'll probably, if my friends from Uruguay hear this, they're going to be like, no, 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 sure, this is all wrong. <laughs> um... So Chivitos like means baby goat. There's no Aww. there's no goat in this sandwich.
0: It, it was
2: it was invented in a restaurant in Punta del Este in, a, in the nineteen forties. And it's basically got a, a little bit of everything. So it's got a thin slice of filet mignon that's just cooked on a flat top. And then it's got this thing called a, a libro, like a book. And it's a piece of ham that's like Fried on the griddle Mm -hmm. with a piece of cheese, like mozzarella, kind of melted in the middle of it. Okay. And then there's a little bit of bacon on it, hard-boiled egg. Oh, my God. Lettuce, tomato, uh, some pickled uh, bell peppers, maybe Mm. a little chopped up olive. And then it's served on a little bun. And it's like the size of like like a McDonald's cheeseburger. It's not like, it's not this thing that's... yeah. Like, I've I've definitely eaten more than one of them. Okay, so... um, But they're just...
0: Why is it called Little Goat? Why that,
2: I mean I, That is a question that we're gonna have to ask so Why we're is have this to beer a called specialist?
1: Super Sparkle and has a tractor on, on the can art? We don't know. Fair enough. And the tractor has diamonds in the back of it. Alright,
0: beer three. Let's go guys. We're oh keep man. It
1: up. Wow, Dana's really forcing these beers down. Uh, our we want here. to
0: drink, let's drink. Uh, I mean, it's Friday, son.
2: When, it's, <laughs> what, what, We're anything? off today. Nobody's working. That's what's it's, going it's on today. It's
1: a Christmas holiday right now. Um, so Chinturine. our third beer is called Powder Pitcher <coughs> from Mickler. Some people call it McKellar uh, Brewing in New York City. I choose uh, not to. They have <laughs> this location, Dana and I have been to, we've actually had Mickler beers on the cast before. Uh, and it's located at City Field, uh, where the Mets play in Flushing cool. or Queens, New York. It's an imperial IPA brewed with lupolin powder.
2: No, we're going to talk about Hence that. Hence the name,
1: Powder Pitcher, coming in at an 8% ABV. So we went up an ABV as we've been moving along. Um, let's taste this beer.
0: To a deluxe apartment Cheers. in the sky. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> This one's not cloudy at all. Well,
2: meh. I would say that that's quite turbid.
0: So let's talk about Lupulin.
2: Yeah, I've never heard of Lupulin.
1: I think I have, because there's a beer called Lupulin, right?
2: I yeah, which yeah. may or may not contain Lupulin powder.
1: Okay. <laughs> so
2: let's let's talk <laughs> right. about Lupulin. So this what is, are its
1: uses in brewing? What you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is... We are in a post-Hops world. Mm-hmm. All right, and so... You've got the hop plant, and so it's it's kind of understanding how hops get processed and what they can get turned into. Okay. And so hops are really, really, like, volatile, you know, aromatic substances, flowers, that yeah. really deteriorate quickly. So hop farms have these giant trellises with hops that grow 20, 25 feet high, and Then they have to get... Dethreshed. So basically, they're pulling all the, um, the hop buds off of the, off of the plants and they're going to go rotten right away yeah. if they're not dried out. So um, they're going to dry them out in these giant football sized fields with like, you know, with a, maybe they're four feet high of hops on the, gra- on the ground and like there's ventilation underneath them. Mm-hmm. And over the course of a couple of days, they get dried out. Wow. But what happens is they're dried out and they're going to start oxidizing if they're not yeah vacuum sealed and put mm-hmm. in packages. so the first real development was pelletizing hops. Mm-hmm. so what happens is the hops get pulverized mm-hmm. um, in a giant machine that's cooled with like liquid nitrogen because um there's so much oil, and there's just so much for lack of a better word kinetic energy created during this process that like literally i've seen hop, I've heard about hop bales getting pressed and compressed. And then, like, almost spontaneously combusting. Really? Uh. Yeah, actually, the, the hop shortage in 2007 was caused when these hop bales at the Hop Union in Yakima, Washington just spontaneously combusted and burnt down like 25% of the crop.
0: That's crazy.
2: So, so, so um, to get back to what you're we saying, um, they get pelletized, mm-hmm. right? And so, there's a, a hop called the, the hop pellet that's most predominantly used as a T90 hop pellet. So it retains ninety percent oh. of the the its plant contents. vegetal material. Okay, and then there's a T forty five hop, which actually is twice the oils and half the plant matter. Oh, right. Okay. And so, um, so so we've got the um, the dry whole leaf hops, mm-hmm. which some breweries use, but it's really in- inefficient to move them around. Like they, they they have like a volume of like five times as much as the pellets okay. for the same amount of hops. So if you're shipping them to X, Y, and Z, it's going to cost you a lot of money. You need to have dedicated space to chill them. So hop pellets are more fashionable. But for example, Sierra Nevada yeah. uses dry cones. Okay. Right. And that's why I think when you start taking things away from the hop, you lose some sort of the essence of it. Yeah. And that's why their beers are kind of on a different level than everybody else's. Yeah, yeah. You know, And then a couple of years ago, they started creating some other hop products so oh and 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 it started a lot with like industrial science and creating hop extracts and hop oils Mm -hmm. like one of the biggest ones is this thing like tetra isomerized hop which is what they use in making things like miller high life Uh, and the reason why is because that goes in a clear bottle right and if it gets hit by sunlight the hops get skunky right but when they Made this tetra hop product. They stabilized it so that it doesn't react to sunlight. Ah, so, mm. so this was you know one of the directions ah. that went the hops. But Hence this is a
1: clear bottle. And, yeah, the, not to worry
2: about it. Right. <clears throat> this is much more of a like a mass produ- pr- production yeah. kind of mm-hmm. innovation. And then, I think there's there was you know they, hops being a commodity and being something that you have to store and all this other stuff you know, the the farmers have to catch up to the demand of yeah. all the hop growers, of, of, of all the brewers, I should say. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out ways to make products that are more shelf-stable or, or more practical for making all these hoppy beers and things like that. So one of the things that came around was Lupulin powder, which is what's in this beer right now. And um, if you've ever taken a look... At, um, at a fresh hop, uh, hop cone, mm-hmm. there's all this yellow oil, mm-hmm. resin on it. And, you know, it, that's the lupulin powder. Oh, wow. So it's like, it's for lack of a better term, it's like the keef of, of hops. Gotcha. Got it.
1: So it, it's naturally producing. So this it's naturally
2: like produced, that. and basically yeah. what they'll do is they'll shake it off and then just keep that lupulin powder and put that in beers. Now, in my opinion, you lose a little bit, you lose a lot of the other things that contribute to the yeah. flavor
0: yeah
2: and so it it can it, it's a great complementary ingredient to help you build that hop aroma yeah but it doesn't necessarily on its own do too much yeah and so we have got lupulin powder these days we've got um cryo hops which you know like breweries like other half uh-huh. they use a ton of cryo hops and again it's because you're using like one quarter of the volume of the hops to get the same effect. Right. Like it's very cost efficient. It's very mm-hmm. efficient in space. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, just you don't need to have a giant warehouse to hold all this right. stuff. And so there there's there's a lot of innovation around wow. hops. And and you know, I'm a bit I like having that full spectrum of flavors. So right. ideally I would love to make beer with like whole cone hops. Mm-hmm. But I think pellets do a good job. And yeah. I think there's actually a lot of other kind of innovations that are doing crazy things to hop aromas too. There are, there are all these sorts of enzymes that, uh, like, without getting too technical. Yeah, so what happens is, you know, you've got hop oils that kind of stick to the sugars in the beer. Right. Right? And it prevents the aromas from from really becoming volatilized. Mm-hmm. And so there are these uh, enzymes now that will break down these, like, glycosidic bonds. Mm-hmm. And you, you're able to use... You know, ten to fifteen percent less hops to make the beer, wow. and you're and you just get this amazing aroma. And it's yeah. a little bit different than the aroma that you would get from traditional dry hopping right. methods. Wow! But I, and this is why I love brewing. It, it it there's there's always the opportunity to try something new because yeah. there's always new ingredients. There's yeah. always new technology. And one thing that you know I always thought about when I was a brewer was like, I never really cared about keeping my recipes to myself. Really I liked having the discussion with other people about the way the recipes worked. And I was also confident in the fact that if I gave a recipe to ten different brewers, yeah. it was gonna be ten different beers. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're
1: yeah. gonna
0: put they
2: their
1: own spin on it as well. But um <clears throat> taste this again.
0: Okay. And I want you to tell me Uh oh. You can be quizzed.
1: There are three hops involved in this beer. And I want you to try to name the three. Here we go.
0: Do 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 do, do, do. <laughs> All
2: right. The first thing I this beer is a little bit boozy, so the, that's the first thing I smell. It is All right. So yeah. the, like, and it's like I'm buying myself some time right now to answer your question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's taking a huge nose of it right now.
2: I'm using my my Siebel Institute. So uh, it's also uh, my, my, my it's Lind also brewed with a th- method. <laughs>
1: It's also brewed with flaked oats and wheat for a malt backbone that supports the intense aroma coming from a fastball of hop powder. So there are three hops I mean, along with the lupulin powder. I'm sorry, two hops and off the third is the lupulin powder off of the third different
2: I mean I mean, I, there's, there's definitely like some sort of citra mosaic-y hop.
1: Yes, you got citra.
2: Okay. There's
1: another hop, and then the lupulin is from the mosaic hops. Ooh. Right. So, name that third hop or that main ingredient, second hop.
2: I mean, it, I would. Could it be Amarillo? I don't know. Simcoe. 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 Yes. Oh, Simcoe and Amarillo
0: are, are, are similar. Very similar, yeah. Nice. Right. Well done, Sharif. Yeah. That's
1: you're like, that's, you're that's like, you're like definitely mosaic and citra, yeah. <laughs> that's why he gets paid the big bucks, folks.
2: Simcoe, Simcoe is a real like classic West Coast hop too. If you guys have ever heard of Pliny the Elder from Russian River Brewing, we have. <laughs> that is uh, a beer that uses a lot of Simcoe, mm-hmm. and but I think Simcoe can almost get a little bit like oniony or a little bit cat pee like mm-hmm. if it's not used properly. But I mean that's one of the best breweries in the world, and they just use Simcoe perfectly. What yeah, do you love
1: beer. to use? the most or what's yielded you the best tasting beer that you've brewed personally? What, what hops like what hop combinations or single hop or
0: I
2: single hop never really does it for me. I like doing single hop beers is a bit of, uh, we we used to do a series at Yonkers, the single hop pale ales. Mm -hmm. And that was a, where the recipe was all the same. And the only thing that changed was, was the hop. And eventually that, but that, that green bill also changed from something that was more of a West coast IPA to more of a, New England IPA over, over the course of time. Um, my favorite classic combination is Amarillo and Citra. Amarillo is like grapefruit juice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that a lot of these... But and like that the
1: other, Citra helps to take the bitterness away from that kind yeah, of grapefruit-y. I mean, it, was, it was
2: Again, it was a beer that I made, <clears throat> uh, you know, that I brewed down for, for Uruguay. And you know how we're talking about, like, there's no spices down there? Right. Like, I thought that a beer that was too aggressive and bitter yeah. was, was not going to work. So it was a beer that was just back-loaded with hops. Yeah. And we just did a 50-50 blend of, of Citra and Amarillo, and we had a really nice crop of hops, and it tasted like grapefruit juice. And I was like,
0: that sounds boom, delicious.
2: that's really good. But it also was a slightly more amber pale ale than mm. than most of these New England beers. All these New England beers are basically...
0: Juice. They're all blonde. They're yeah. all like
2: this really really blonde and then, you know, get to put in some oats to give you a little bit of residual body and texture. Mm-hmm. And then the water's got a ton of chloride in too for the for the same reason to give you that creamy mouthfeel. Right. Which is actually this this lamp lighter. The water was actually to me much more like sulfating, much more crisp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these things that, none of these things work by themselves. They're right. all they're all tugging on each other. Right. But, yeah, I mean, Citra and, and Amarillo, all day.
0: <laughs> so
1: what what drew you to brewing? Because y- you you went to law school? Yeah. So you have a law degree. Yeah. You have... I think I'm is,
2: technically retired now.
1: You, you're, <laughs> you're retired from your legal career. Yeah. That,
2: that was, um, my parents love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, when you hit the fork in the road and it was like, am I going to...
2: Well, I think there there were a bunch of reasons. Um, you know, I think going down that that career path, I, I I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a constant student. I like to learn things, and the theory of law versus the practice of law were two very very <laughs> different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I finished law school, and the the economy was kind of in the shitter, and there weren't really good opportunities. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I definitely didn't help myself. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> but cooking and brewing, it just it seems so natural to me. I yeah. and you know, I always thought of it this way. Like um, working at a big law firm, you know, I I'm creating something and I don't get to see right. the end result of what I've done. Right. Cooking is like this immediate, visceral. Yeah, it's a passion. It's yeah, a, but no, but more than that, it's it's. It, it, you get the payoff it's, it's, pay, it's the it's the it's <laughs> the feedback it's yeah. the yeah. payoff i make something and i get to see people smile and right. enjoy it right and that's really rewarding for me yeah and i had been a home brewer for a long time and you know this is we're talking about 2006 6 2007 2008 when you know captain lawrence opened up mm-hmm. and you know i went up there with the but some buddies of mine from from law school and i was like wow this is awesome you can do this for a living <laughs> and you know i talked to, to scott baccaro mm-hmm. who's an awesome awesome guy mm-hmm. uh you know the founder of, of captain lawrence yep. and he was like i love your passion but you don't have the the fundamentals in order to get into this sort of career yeah you know and this is you know back in the day when there were you know maybe one-tenth the amount of craft breweries in the u.s as there are right. now and so i said all right you know i'm gonna give this a go and so I went and got a technical brewing diploma from Siebel, and I mm-hmm. you know, ended up getting you know, connected with the Yonkers folks, and it was it, such a great experience. I really, yeah. I really had a lot of fun you know, getting out there and making beer yeah. and, and having people get to try it and enjoy it, and um, you know, never ever being satisfied with what I made, and, and always endeavoring to push more. I mean, yeah. that's, that's my personality. I'm yeah. always trying to make something better. And so I think that 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 whole you know that satisfaction of seeing somebody enjoy what you've created and getting to share it with so many people right, and then the fact that it's a constantly evolving pr- problem yeah it just it suits my my demeanor
0: that seems like it also goes back to your culture. We're talking about Uruguay and having. You go to somebody's house and you cook for them, and you're hanging out, and you see the payoff at that moment. Absolutely. Like it's, it's a, so Absolutely. it seems like it's just in your your nature. That's how it's your DNA.
2: Yeah, I want to nurture. I mean, I, I, yeah. think, I think it's yeah. a real it's a real primal thing, yeah. you know. And you know, I'm an only child. I've got a small family, and 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 I I get that sort of that satisfaction right. through the amazing people that I get to meet in my life and all my great friends.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. we got to get down to Uruguay one of these days.
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: if only you knew somebody who's down
0: there. I was going to say, I, I think we have a place to stay. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Dana, it's it's funny because uh, when Dana gets into, a, I'll call it for lack of better words, a beer nerd conversation with anyone, she gets really excited about it. Um, but most excited with you, I think. <laughs> um, she's like... Sharif was uh, was there, and he was talking to this woman that's that's a brewer and the or whatever. Happens goes over
0: my head, but I yeah. just felt the energy of it. <laughs> and, and Dana
1: loves uh, the chemistry behind beer and talking to somebody about you know how they are adjusting a recipe to you know when she started working for Manhattan Beer Distributors uh, and actually Union was first and then Manhattan. But like when she was at Union, she got like this book. What was what was the book that you got? And you just started, you dove in and started studying. Craft beer to, to really.
0: You looking for the name? I have no idea. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: anyway, it was a craft beer centric, you know, type of yeah. encyclopedia book. Well, I'll say where... this about
0: Union beer: it was a great education because every Friday we had multiple breweries come to our meeting and sample us on the beer, and, and we would then they go would around talk about and it. Yeah. talk about the nose and the mouthfeel and the, the finish, and just it was very educational for me. I loved it. So Union really taught me about beer. Manhattan beer told me how to sell beer. So they each had a specialty. Absolutely. And put them together. It's like, oh, this will, these go together hand in yeah. hand.
1: Like when him and Brian get together, because Brian's a, how do you say it? Cicer- Cicerone. Cicerone. right? Yeah. When you and Brian just start talking, like, and you deep, do Brian a deep Brian from diet. Brewski's
0: in the Bronx go down and have their food and beers great.
1: Yes, Brewski's <laughs> is located on East Tremont Avenue
0: in Bronx, New York.
1: You can't miss it. Tell them
0: Jim and Dana sent you.
1: <laughs> we will be there for Fatty's Day and on March. I don't know what the date is yet, but Boy, we'll yeah. update you. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll they have a great St. Patrick's Day event there at Brewski's, but uh If
0: I'm in the country, I'll be there. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: And we'll be able to listen to you and Brian talk. Um
0: uh, It's fascinating though. Beer. And it's cool because you can see how passionate everybody is when they Sophia was the same way when we talked earlier. Like, yes. You just see like the intensity and the excitement in the eyes. It's just fun. And like half the shit, like I said, is going over my head. I'm just like, oh my god, I love this.
1: We should have a um a butt first beer. Segment of Sharif and Sophia doing going like deep dive I like would love twenty that. minute conversation I would love on it. beer, um,
2: and, and they make some <clears> awesome <throat> awesome beers of an in industrial arts. Yeah, I think, I think they're just the bee's knees. Yeah, it's great
0: up there. So uh, we
1: could absolutely talk to Sharif uh, days on end. Um, we do anyway through text message and yeah, we're gonna continue after we get off the show. This isn't stopping <laughs> for us, <laughs> and
0: so, we're gonna have more beer. Uh, Sharif
1: thank you again for joining us on the yeah, podcast
0: pleasure.
1: Uh, it's been a awesome this will not be the first Sharif episode um, last. Uh, uh, you know, the last the <laughs> last
0: <laughs> this is the first
1: <laughs> this is the first and it only, will not be the last it
0: only, it only took me
2: 21 episodes
1: to get invited <laughs> that 8% is really good
2: Yeah. M-
1: the Mickler um, but no thank you for coming on uh, hope you guys really enjoyed uh, if you are thirsty for more
0: Ooh! Stole my line.
1: You can find us on where Dana. Uh, where can they listen to us?
0: Apple, Stitcher, Spreaker,
1: Breaker, Spotify.
0: Anchor, Spotify.
1: And we record on Anchor. The Anchor app is a great way for you to start your own podcast. Uh, check them out at Anchor.fm.
0: Sure. Backslash, but for Spears, us. Well, that's that's <laughs> where our,
1: that's where our show is located. Uh, but we'll talk to you soon, guys.
0: Uh, and I think this might be our last episode before the new year.
1: Oh yeah! So uh, Merry Christmas,
2: Happy
0: New Year's, Merry happy Christmas, Kwanzaa. Happy Festivus, Festivus for Fest- the rest of us. Chris
1: Mahana Kwanzaa.
0: Word. <laughs> Bye guys. Bye. Bye.